Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. afternoon and good evening and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris Howard, joining you, Marketing Director at Lace. This is a weird experience because this is the first time in about two years, I think, that I've shared a room with my fellow podcaster today. And I've got Chris Kirby from our team. Chris, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm not bad. Pleased to be here. Chris is our resident payroll expert and that's uh, the reason I've roped him in today, because we're talking to the lovely people from Zealous, uh, and we've got somebody called Jackie Summons, who is CPO of EMIS Health. Say that. Emis. Oh, that's a lot easier, isn't it, Jackie? Uh, she's a CPO at Emis Health, but she's also a non-executive director at Zealous. And J- Jackie's going to talk to us today about a white paper that you guys produced, which is called The Resilience Factor, CPO's Post-COVID Boardroom Insights 2021. Jackie, before we go into that, can you just give us a bit of an overview of yourself for our lovely listeners that are listening in? Absolutely. So yes, I'm the CPO at Emis Health um, and have been there for about five years. I have a a fairly lengthy HR um, career, though, that spans over 30 years, sort of large organisations, smaller companies uh, more recently. But really happy last year to become the non-exec director of Zealous. And in that role, obviously, both a normal non-exec director, what you'd expect from, from that role, but additionally trying to support Zealous as they face into their, their customer market as well, into into other HR directors and helping them to, to respond to that. So, yeah, um, that's my background really fascinating to to be involved in this today and and particularly around this report which was was really interesting for me to read as well as a CPO and to to see some of the aspects um, that I was feeling myself actually play out in in the report. That's lovely so let's talk about the report specifically then and I guess from a zealous perspective um, as a representative of zealous just my top line question just to kick us off is the the reason for actually producing it so why did why did zealous as an organization decide that this was something that they wanted to explore in a little bit more detail in their in their research report. I think when you are in the position that Zealous are looking at how to improve the way in which HR directors can can work within their businesses, you know, you're looking very much at how the HR systems, how payroll can work more effectively. It's really important to understand what the challenges are in the market that you're facing into. And I think that we can we can guess around what happened as a result of the pandemic and how much has that changed people's need for technology. But actually asking some really specific questions about that and asking the people that are somewhat at the cold face of it, I think was a really um, insightful um, thing to do. Uh, so that's that's the background to it. Just trying to understand what it is that people are grappling with post pandemic. So what's what's changed in the last couple of years? What are the challenges going forward? Um, that's that's the most important thing, I think. Thanks, Jackie. And and in the report, there's a lot of really interesting statistics and and a lot of a lot of um, interesting facts. And in terms of moving with the times, forty five percent of businesses said they made either no changes or only minor changes. Did that surprise you? Um, and why do you think that may be? 
I, I think it did surprise me a little bit. I do think, though, there were some businesses, perhaps some of the smaller businesses, I've interacted certainly with other CPOs that, that actually almost just weathered the storm the best that they could and actually just a bit a bit like fastening down the hatches really and just making sure that they got to the other side so so perhaps for those organizations there wasn't quite so much appetite for changing during that period so um that's possibly what's behind it but certainly for most of the people that i speak to their businesses have transformed significantly during this time. So I'm not surprised that the majority did see change. Can I just ask just on that, do you think if you guys ran the report again now or ask the questions now or even ask them in six months time, that number of 45 percent would change? Or do you think it's probably going to be similar in the types in the, in the responses that those respondents gave? And, you know, I think it is changing because I think when the report was was run to a degree we were still start only just starting to feel the post pandemic impact so things like the the attrition that many companies are really having to to deal with at the moment it started to manifest itself but i think a lot of people thought as we entered 22 we would start to see that improve Actually, for some businesses, they're still feeling that they're losing too many people very rapidly and that they then can't replace them easily in the market. So I think some of the changes that people will be making now are more in response to that piece of it rather than the actual pandemic, to be honest. I think it's beginning to have a have a bigger impact. You know, how do you how do you retain people during this period of so many people changing changing jobs and leaving? How do you attract people as well into your businesses when there is such a hot market that's the biggest thing that I, I think we face at the moment to be honest yeah definitely that um that attraction and retention part uh, I know that myself from us at Lace Partners and so many organizations I'm talking to I reckon we could probably have about 20 podcasts right now talking about <laughs> yes. the challenges around attracting people and you know well-being packages financial packages all of that sort of stuff but yeah, sorry, Chris. No, um, and I think, yeah, that's a really interesting point as well. And um, it's perhaps no surprise that while only 45% of people said they hadn't made changes at that point, there, there was a much a larger number, nearly 60% of respondents said that improving resilience was important over the, the following 12 months. Clearly, that touches on some of the points you've just made. But um, I guess, how else do you think resilience manifests itself for CPOs? Yeah, I think the resilience piece manifests itself in a number of ways. It, it absolutely does relate to having a more resilient workforce, I think, and a, and a workforce that will will want to stay in your organisation through sort of the ups and downs that might come over the next couple of years. So I think it's partly around that. I think it's also, though, that so many organisations are going through a lot of a lot of change and it's trying to build within the um, employee base a resilience to change itself. So understanding that for, for my business, definitely at Emus, we're, we're get, trying to get people to understand that change is not something that we're just doing at the moment. Change is probably something that we're going to be going through for quite a long period of time. And actually, how do you how do you sort of build within that employee base a resilience to that change so that you can take those ups and downs? So I think that's it's partly about that. I think also 
companies have seen you know a greater degree of concern from employees about their well-being generally their financial well-being in particular has, has been a big issue more noticeable this year even than last year so again how do you allow employees or support employees to be resilient to changes that are taking place in their lives outside of work and still be able to enjoy their work, give of their best. So there's a whole raft of things, I think, that would have been behind that question on resilience. It's probably, for me, it's one of the biggest factors. And I'm, and it doesn't surprise me that it's important to a lot of the respondents as well. I, I agree. A lot of those points you've made are things that we're, we're very passionate about as well. Um, and they're, they're incredibly important. So um, are you surprised then that only 13% um, of respondents said it was their number one priority and would you have expected it to be more? I think I would have expected it to be more. And perhaps it's partly around you know, how you define resi- resilience as well. And, you know, that there are so many different facets to it. It's probably our number one, my number one. Um, so, yes, it was slightly surprising that it wasn't more. Yeah. I'm going to kick us on now just to the next sort of section, which is CPO Sand United. And I think some of the titles are fantastic in the report itself. It's a really, uh, inspir- some of the, some really inspirational sort of titles that they've got there. But in that particular section of the report, it talks about how the role of the CPO has changed. And in the report, it says 62% of respondents are saying that CPOs are playing a more active role in business resilience. So can I just get you just to reflect on that number and the responses there, and perhaps even just bring in some of your own experiences from uh, from EMIS as well. Yeah, I, I think this is also the, probably one of the most fascinating parts of the report and definitely reflects what I see personally and what I see with other colleagues as well. I think for a very long time, people talked about employees being central to everything that a business does. And it's really important that they're looked after through any kind of significant change. I think in reality, there was quite a lot of paying lips service to that. And what happened at the start of the pandemic is that within a really short space of time, a number of CPOs found themselves positioned, pivoted almost into the limelight. All of a sudden, it was less around other aspects of business resilience. And suddenly it was around people. The the most valuable commodity that the organisation has is under threat effectively, because if we can't keep are people safe and we can't keep them well, actually, we don't really have a business. And so for for the first time ever, I think what we perhaps had talked about for many years became reality and it became reality really quickly as well. So what I saw was a number of people stepping up as well. So a number of HR directors, CPOs really stepping up into that role and perhaps being more effective than anyone thought they would ever be and also coming together so this idea about cpo stand united i think is fascinating because actually i felt that my network of hr directors was more important than it had ever been in terms of sharing experiences of what was happening so we've got we've got a kind of really different place we got to a really different place at the start of the pandemic and through the pandemic i think the interesting thing would be what happens next actually because maintaining that position of people understanding how important people are to a business is going to be the critical piece going forward. 
Yeah, certainly. And it's really interesting that you were just saying about your network, because we're seeing that at LACE as well. It's almost, there's one part of it, which is everyone can now meet in face to face. And as we were saying, you know, Chris and I are doing this from within a room that we haven't been able to do like face to face, but we're starting to run a few events. And it's amazing how many different types of CPOs or HRDs, or Chris runs a payroll forum uh, where he talks to a lot of payroll professionals. So many people were just eager to come in and just share ideas and things like that. So I think that's been a, a really positive thing of us coming out of the lockdown, those kind of people meeting up, broadening those networks, building that unity as well. But um, you've got a question on payroll, Chris, which is your area. So. I do. I do. Yes. Um, I couldn't let this one go without focusing on the payroll stat in the report. So so it, again, in the report that 87 percent of respondents agreed to some extent that back office processes have become bigger risks since the start of the pandemic. Why do you think that was? Well, do you know, I have a quite an interesting anecdote on on this, which is that a business that I'm associated with, that they had a real problem with payroll at the start of the pandemic because they had done a number of business continuity plans. They really thought that they had it um, sorted in terms of, yes, we can run payroll remotely. So if this if the worst happens, if there's some sort of disaster, you can't get into the office, we can run payroll remotely what actually happened is they did that for the first couple of weeks and then the payroll manager asked to go into the office and and when the answer was well there's no way that you can go into the office oh I have to go in once a month I never put that into the business continuity plans because I always thought I'd be able to go in once a month so it it was just sort of fascinating how people can write all the plans they want but when it actually comes to can you deliver a back office remotely it's amazing how many businesses did not cover all bases when it came Came to that. So I think payroll, any kind of process that was that's critical to the running of the business, it was surprising to me how many of those fell down at the start of the pandemic. So when you, you know, you hear in the press at the moment about companies that are still struggling to properly run things remotely, I think that plays into that point. I think people have suddenly realized that those processes they have to be able to run in a different way and they have to be able to run effectively and that you know that's that's an interesting um piece for 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 zealous to think about as well how do do you as an organization bridge that gap for for companies that are really struggling with some of their their back office process how important is it going to be payroll is one of them i don't think it's the only only one, but it's a, it is a really important factor. So yeah, it was interesting to see that come out so so loudly within the report, actually. Thanks for that, Jackie. Um, so moving on as well, and I, I guess back to your, your point um, previously around the focus on people and how important people are. Within the report, it also stated that 52% of CPOs feel that improving EX will have a big part to play in business continuity. So do you think we'll see um, the rise of more specialist EX professionals in senior positions within the HR function? Or is this something that's already been happening pre-pandemic and it's just been accelerated by by the pandemic? Yeah, so definitely happening pre-pandemic. I think yet to be seen whether it will accelerate as a result of it. I was probably surprised that more, that there wasn't more CPO saying that this was going to be critical. And again, it, it probably comes to the timing of the report, because I think this year, as the attrition continues to be a problem in organisations and the ability to, to attract people in particular is really tough, I think this is just going to become the, the explosion for 22. I think that a number of other colleagues of mine are, are struggling with this as well. It is not possible at the moment to compete 
in the market that we find ourselves in, particularly in technology, you cannot compete on salary alone. You will not be able to outbid your competitors in terms of attracting employees. That's just not going to be possible. And that's certainly at EMAS, one of the things that we're doing is trying to, we've just kicked off a piece of work um, this year to try and broaden out that approach on employee engagement and look about look at it from a number of different angles so yes it's important to to provide good paying good benefits but what other things around working environment around processes culture employer branding all of those pieces trying to look at it more holistically and not focusing just on the obvious way in which you think you might be able to attract and retain people. Um, and I would, you know, I would certainly say that that's beginning to to bear some fruit and we're beginning to sort of change some of the things that we do and make ourselves more, more attractive as an employer. That's the piece that I, I think will we'll really continue to accelerate during the course of this year. Yeah, it's really interesting, actually. So we've seen just as we were into the pandemic, we started at LACE, we started to run employee experience forum because we started to hear from more and more EX specialists saying we want to develop our community and we don't know, you know, I don't know many other EX people around there. So we said, well, we'll bring people together and we'll do a bit of networking. We did it. We started it virtual, but then we moved into our first face to face one just as we came out of lockdown last year. And um, there's a bit in the report which talks about talent management, which is 50 percent of CPOs put this as a as a personal focus. I think we've kind of touched on that already. And I think I'm actually surprised that it's 50%, given that what we were just talking about right at the beginning of the uh, podcast about how, you know, for everyone, it seems to be finding good people with the right skills is so difficult. Like, I'm personally surprised that it's it's 50%, but I wonder if that's because this report was done in September. And if, if you were to ask, I guess this is a similar question to what I said earlier, if you were to ask those same collective of CPOs now, I wonder if that would be higher. Do you know what? I'll do it around the table here. I'll start with you, Chris. What do you, do you think that's the case based yes. on what we're seeing? Yes, I think it would be higher. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the focus on people, as um, Jackie's touched on a couple of times already, and therefore the requirement to manage people and, and to give people opportunities is just, it's becoming so, so imperative. It's almost like a buyer's market, if you like. Yeah. You know, employees can, they have so many options, they have so many opportunities to to develop um, whether in all spaces as well. So if your priorities remotely, that's on the table much more now. You know, if your priorities are a specific industry, it's far easier to expand and get opportunities in that so yeah i think i wouldn't want to put a number on it but i certainly yeah. think we'd be comfortably higher as a as, as it being a personal focus and i'm pretty sure that jackie you're going to say full house that you'd expect it to be higher than half of the number of cpos saying that you know it's their personal focus that talent management side yeah, I, I think it's just taken a little while for the penny to drop because one of the things that I reflected on was that employee engagement was really high for us during the first year of the pandemic. We had most people working at home. They were a relatively easy audience to work with. We ran a number of uh, development sessions remotely and we really felt that we had a really engaged workforce that wasn't actually looking to leave our organisation. And I've, what I came to realise is you, you can't just 
just rest on that as you as we came out of the pandemic there was almost a, I, I almost had a feeling personally it was like well we were so good to people during the pandemic we really looked after people why are they leaving us that's kind of outrageous that they would want to do that and and so the pennies finally dropped that actually people want to make changes in their lives at the moment because they've kind of felt very fixed for a couple of years there's suddenly that opportunity to go and work for another organization is is attractive so I think it is about CPOs now saying okay so that is the reality I've now got to think really hard I will not be able to replace people easily if they leave therefore what am I going to do with the people that I've got that's going to make them really feel that I take their development seriously that I'm actually interested in helping them to progress their career here so they're not attracted to go somewhere else I think it's it's just a timing thing. It's probably just taken a little while for us to realise how important that's going to be going forward. Thanks, Jackie. Um, and I, I love the variety in the report, by the way. There's so many different um, buckets that were covered uh, across a sort of broad spectrum of HR and, and, and payroll. And thinking about technology, there was a section called the cloud conundrum, which I loved. Um, and within there, it said 52% of CPOs say that upgrading their tech is important. Did that surprise you that number i'm surprised it wasn't a bit a little bit higher i think sometimes it's true to say that cpos um compete with other um requirements in a business so i would imagine if you were to ask uh, cfos that question they're probably already on on with changing technology we sometimes find with hr systems that we're at the bottom of the pile which seems odd really given all that i've said about how much more important people are going forward but i actually i actually think that I'm a little bit surprised that it that more people aren't looking to do that. Um, and it's interesting that I know that we've probably come to talk about this, but there is a definite difference with larger organisations where they are recognising the need um, to to advance their technology platforms. So, yeah, it, an interesting one for sure that it wasn't a little bit higher because it's, it's definitely held a number of organisations back over the last couple of years. The lack of really good systems has definitely made a difference. Yeah, and we've certainly seen that within our business. You know, the days of finding so many organisations that are running uh, everything off of Excel spreadsheets appear to be dying. Thankfully, um, I'm sure you as a payroll person uh, would appreciate that, yeah. Chris. But interesting stat as well, which is talking about 82% of businesses saying they have their HCM platform in the cloud already, which I guess is leaning itself towards that. Yeah, we no longer have armies of people running spreadsheets and scaring all of the uh, the tech people into oblivion. But I thought that was an interesting stat. And I'm now wondering that if so many organisations are already in the cloud, what's kind of going to be next, if you like? You know, is there going? Are we going to? Are we going to see more organisations that are looking? Okay, well, we've moved into the cloud. We've migrated to the cloud. Like, what's next for us? You know, how do we yeah. get the most out of it? What's your kind of thoughts but on I that? I think it's it is the getting the most out of it. I don't think there is an, an HR team in anywhere that, that can honestly put their hand on the heart and say that they get the most from their HR system. So being in the cloud is really important, but it's it's what what do you do with that and how much 
do you advance what you have at the start? Because I think a lot of people, they they fall in, well, I've certainly done this myself, you fall into a trap of thinking that's going to be the answer to everything. But actually, it isn't It isn't just the system. It's how do you interact? How do uh, your your managers interact with that system as well? So, you know, I would, I would be surprised if there isn't a lot more that most of us can do, actually, which is, you know, something that, that certainly uh, from a from a zealous point of view, I think they have some some really interesting um, things to offer there in terms of helping people to make the most out of their system. It's not just about adopting it. I think that's that's really interesting, Jackie. I couldn't agree more. Um, I think it, the the cloud is here, right? We've we've been through a decade or more of of companies moving to the moving all these products to the cloud, and I think I don't think it's necessarily a case of people will move away from it or that something's going to replace it in the very near future. But I certainly think a lot of the focus that we've seen and people that we're speaking to is around okay, we've moved to the cloud and it wasn't the golden bullet. It hasn't solved absolutely yeah. everything for us. What else do we need to do to supplement that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly. All right, so let's move on. So, really, really interesting section is talking about the long-serving CPO, and you've just kind of touched on it, Jackie, about the differences in the sizes of businesses and how, you know, the the findings were quite different depending on smaller sized businesses and the CPO working in that smaller business and those larger businesses as well. So, just for the benefit of our listeners, can you just give us an overview of of that section and what some of the findings showed us? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> The long-serving CPO, I feel like I fall into that category, sadly, being a long-serving CPO. <laughs> but I, I think I made comments um, in the report about the changes that I've seen in the time that I've I've been working within HR, so I've, over more than, than 30 years. We've talked about the change that has happened as a result of the pandemic, and I, I think you can't underestimate that. I think that for many CPOs, who have worked as CPOs for a long time, some of the things that have happened over the last couple of years are perhaps things we would have dreamed of in many many years gone by in terms of the the way in which organisations saw the importance of what we do. So that's, from a personal point of view, that has been incredible to, to see that happen in a very, very short space of time. I think it is interesting that the CPOs at large enterprises, you know, having a slight difference. I think it, they certainly do when it comes to looking at technology, like perhaps, you know, slightly deeper pockets in some cases in bigger organisations to be able to focus on this, slightly bigger HR uh, departments in some cases as well. So more people, because it, it it comes back to the point you made about adopting uh, a new a new system. If you're not really very well resourced within your HR function, you can certainly go that route, but you know you won't necessarily make the most of it because you don't have enough people to really work effectively. So I do think that's also playing into this piece as well. But yeah, it, it's that's an interesting piece. Yeah, it's a really interesting report. Of course, and um, what we'll do is we'll put a link to the report in the show notes itself. I can't remember. We've got um, Adam, who's the uh, lovely marketing manager at um, Zealous, who gave us the uh, URL. And me being the clever person that I am, I can't actually remember what the, uh, I do the remember. URL is. I, in do, it, so. I do remember it. <laughs> Thank goodness. If you could just tell um, our yeah, listeners. So, so people can find it at zealous.com forward slash CHRO 2022. And Adam is going to be in the background or we'll be listening to this afterwards saying, I told you three times, Chris, I told you three times. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. But Jackie, just before we um, just before we wrap up today, if you can just give us a, 
a sort of 50,000 foot view of the report itself and just any final things that we might not have mentioned or anything that you thought was particularly interesting. So if you've got a listener who's thinking, there's a, if there's one thing you're going to take away from this report, I'd encourage you to take away this, what would it kind of be? Well, I'm not just saying this because I added, added a little bit to the report, but I actually think it's a, it's a really interesting read. Lots of things cross your desk as a um, as a CPO. Lots of reports cross your desk, and I'm always more fascinated when there is quantitative data in a report. So when there's been some specific information around uh, some of the stats, particularly if they are a little bit surprising, which they are in some cases. So I would say that the report is it's interesting from that point of view. Just kind of look at what you see within the report. Think about what you're doing within your own organisation and think about what it's telling you about what you might want to look at next. I I found it overall um, a fascinating insight, um, particularly because it had that quantitative data in there, having asked people who are living this this job day, day to day as to what they think. Yeah, it's a, it's a good report. As I said, we'll put it in the show notes. Zealous.com forward slash CHRO 2022. There you go. I did say it eventually. <laughs> yeah. but, um, Jackie, once again, thank you very much for coming on to the, uh, the show today. Oh, it was lovely to talk to you. Really lovely to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, thank was, you for inviting me. It, it was great to have you on. I take it they can people can find you if they just uh, go on LinkedIn and search for Jackie Summons. Um, I am on LinkedIn. Absolutely. They're more than, more than welcome to do that. Brilliant. Once again, thank you very much. Chris, thanks for joining me, partner in time. Thank you. We will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs>